Hi, friends. I'm Katie. And I'm Olivia. And we are Podcast by Proxy, Canadian True Crime. Welcome. We're live. We're not alive, but we're live. We're live-ish. Yeah. <laughs> Whew. It's been a long... Welcome home, ma'am. 12 days, I would say. Yeah, you've been busy. And it's like, going to be a busy, like, three weeks. Yeah, now you're moving. Yeah. She went Eastern Canada. She went to Montreal, everyone. She went for some weddings, some family time. Ottawa. You went to Ottawa. I'm jealous. Yeah. And honestly, I had some... Because I remember I had already talked to you since the first wedding... But then I went to a second wedding and then flew home. And it was just a very chaotic, like, 72 hours the end of that trip. Because, like, we take the train to Ottawa. We go to our hotel. We, like, walk around for the day. Then we meet up with my partner's mom and her boyfriend. So then we go to dinner. And I thought it was going to be dinner just the six of us like with his aunt and uncle I was like oh great and then all of a sudden it was like so and so is coming and so and so is coming and so and so this poor waitress at the restaurant we just like rocked her fucking world and she was amazing can you pull up another chair thanks yeah like shout out to I think her name was like Angela at what was that place called the brew box I don't know. If I remember, I'll post it because she was amazing. Anyway, but then, like, both sides of the wedding, their families also had reservations in that family. So we pretty much just, like, took over this restaurant, but none of us were really together. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So then dinner ended up being, I think, like, 12 people. So I was just meeting all these people, and then we had the wedding the next day, which was just a lot of commuting around, getting people to and from really wherever they were coming in from, whether it was an airport or train, Yeah. and then trying to get ready. We ended up just getting a few too many drinks than we should have for the night we're going to fly out, because it's fair. we were at the wedding till like, 1 in the morning, and then we had to get up at 4-something to go to the airport. Probably still slightly intoxicated. Three hours later, very intoxicated. Oh, yeah. Um, That's bold. One of us was sick in the airport. Not going to say who. Doesn't matter. Doesn't even matter. Mind your own business. Is what it is. But then, yeah, we, of course, had to get to the ferry. So, Again, we always say it's, like, people think it's so easy to just, like, travel within your own country, and it it normally can be. But for us, it was, like, you know, a taxi to a plane to another taxi to a boat to a vehicle to someone else's vehicle. Like, it's just, it's quite an endeavor to get home. So we ended up being on a, like, 12-hour travel day. Yeah. Um, And I just still... Don't feel like my body is quite reset where it should be, but eh, we'll get back into my routine. I mean, it's in our own country, but it's pretty far. It's like the equivalent of us flying to New York. Yeah, it's a three-hour time difference. Yeah, so. Yeah, Yeah, New York is like right below. We were going to go on a road trip 
down to New York, and then it just, we didn't want to be in the United States. It's um, surprising to me how little I understood about, like, the geography of that area up until recently. Like, for example, I just learned, I'm not even kidding you, two days ago that the Hamptons is in New York. And I also only recently learned that New York is, like, directly below Ontario. For some reason, I thought it was very far. So I did know all of that, but I will match that in stupidity for you to help you feel (laughs) better. When we were flying home, we swooped, like, just below the border. And the the guy on the plane, the guy on the plane, the pilot. um, (laughs) The guy flying the plane. He's like, attention. He's like, we're flying over Montana. And I was like, mm-hmm. what the fuck? How far did we dip below said border? You're right below Alberta. I did not realize that Montana was just, I mean, it makes sense when I look at Alberta. But it's yes. like Alberta and Saskatchewan. It's a hop, skip, and a jump. It's really close. I did know that one, but that's only because I spent a lot of time in Alberta as like a teenager and it was like a fun thing to do to drive down to Montana so that's the only reason I know that but it's similar like so the only reason I really registered where New York is uh, geographically to like Ontario Canada etc is because Brandon said it was similar for them like it was just like a fun weekend thing for them to do to just drive to New York. Yeah. When like, cause he's from on, on like Southern Ontario, and that's when I was like, wait, huh? Yeah. And of course, researching and stuff because we always like we'll go into a little bit of the geography if it's an area that we don't know. I've learned a lot of like things that I really just didn't know. Um, I'm not gonna call myself stupid. I just don't know that I ever really like took the time to, to care. Um, I am but- terrible with geography. So I 1,000% understand what you're saying. Um, okay, we will get into this, but one more thing about me and stupidity and geography. The Hamptons one, I asked Brandon, I was like, where do you think the Hamptons is? And he said California. So okay. I'm not alone in that. I definitely thought it was, like, not in New York. It's not what I think of when I think of the Hamptons. Okay, well, I will say I definitely knew that. Um, but I also watched The Real Housewives of New York, so that one wasn't a hard one for me, because they frequently go to the Hamptons. Oh, let's go to my place in the Hamptons. Like, everyone... I think it's just not something I have ever really thought too hard about. That's fair. I mean, it's not like we're just... I'm not going to the Hamptons, so I just... Yeah, I... It's like a far, Hamptons. a far off distant rich person place that I just don't, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know what goes on there, I don't know where it is, I don't know, I don't know anything. Well, when we were in Quebec, um, the people that we were hanging out with said that they had recently been to Vegas, and they were saying the same thing though, they're like, holy shit, you don't think three hours makes that big of a difference because it's within your own country. But, like, it really rocks your world for a few days. It's a trek, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just a lot. It's... We're not worldly travelers. We're not those people that are going to do 18-hour plane rides to get somewhere. No, but I also just think that, like, three hours is, like, just enough where your body is like, whoa, what happened? Yeah, fair. It's like a little jolt in time. But it does okay, feel well, flying little... home. Jolt in time right into this case that Katie brought home for us. Smooth transition there. 
Thank you. You wordsmith. We could have been talking about uh, geography all day, really. No, Mentally, we, that's where we we're know so at. little. <laughs> that true. was it. We're done. That's it. That's all we don't know about geography. That's not true. So today I am going to do a, not necessarily a recommendation, but a case that came up in conversation with someone while I was traveling, um, a friend of my spouse's, and we were sitting having pizza, and we were talking about her living in Vancouver for a little bit, um, coming out here after she grew up out east, and then she had kind of said, like, did you know about this case? I'm like, no, I didn't. And then just by chance, it was mentioned in My Favorite Murder, like, a few days later when I was listening, and it just felt, like, serendipitous to look into it a little bit further. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it was just a little bit too weird. So I did. So um, I did. So well, I did. we're grateful for it. We can't wait. Anytime. So today I am going to tell you about a case that obviously, I guess, after I pumped that up, took place in Vancouver uh, about Jimmy and Lily Ming. Okay. Have you ever heard of it? No. No, neither did I. Not that I know of. 1985-ish? Probably Ring any not. any bells? Then. No. Okay. Great. Perfect. Wonderful. I, yeah. Would you like to say something? <laughs> I I was gonna say I'm a true '90s baby in that like in my head, I don't know a lot before the that happened before the '90s. Like before the '90s is like a far off distant time. I don't know. Okay. I know as much about pre '90s as I do about geography. But no, I've never heard of it. It's really all I needed to say. That is true. You really rambled there. You ratted yourself out for I wasn't going to. I wasn't going to. I know, but then you were like doing this awkward thing. Like, if anyone knows this look, I know you can't see her, but you know when someone like wants to tell you something, but they can't, and they're kind of like making an awkward smile and like sideways at you. They're like, "Mm," like kind of wanting to. (laughs) That's what she was doing. And so I'm like, do you want to say something? Normally I wouldn't ask you that. (laughs) You would just say it. Jimmy and his family, consisting of his two parents and his three brothers, moved from Taiwan in the early 70s and settled in Vancouver. They graduated from King George Secondary School, All the Boys, where shortly after graduation, Jimmy met Lily, who was also of Asian descent, And they married and ended up having two children. Now, there's really very, like, little and, like, really no information about Lily anywhere. And unfortunately, I think this is kind of common. We've talked about this, where it's like, Mm -hmm. at the time of what we're about to go over or speak of, they have a six-year-old named Jason and a five-year-old named Eliza. Jimmy's 29 years old at at the time, and Lily is 30, so she's got a younger man. Same. (laughs) Not me. I like mold. (laughs) (laughs) He just walked by. I hope he heard that. 
So Jimmy helped build his family restaurant. So his dad and mom opened a Taiwanese and Chinese food restaurant that was very well known named Yangtze Kitchen. And his dad opened it at first and it was like, you know, those little kind of like hole in the wall type restaurants in Vancouver that exist. And you can just like walk in, order food and walk out. There's like maybe one or two tables because it's just like a cutout almost and a window. So he yes. had one of those. It had three tables. That was it. Amazing. And with his dad, Ping, and him, Jimmy, together, they're able to turn it into, like, this massive dining hall-style restaurant. Um, they originally were on, like, Denman down on, like, the skeezy part. Um, but they get to move up to, like, the West End on Robson and get, like, this massive restaurant. It's just amazing. <clears throat> Jimmy is working 12 to 15 hours a day. He's so dedicated to this family business, knowing that eventually his dad's going to need someone to take it over because he is getting older. Lily also works one day a week at the restaurant. She's taking night classes, though, to learn English. So that takes up quite a bit of her time. And during the day, she does have the two kids to care for. Uh, January 19th of 1985... The Ming family is at Fairyland for a wedding. Sorry, I shouldn't say the Ming family. The adults of the Ming family are at a wedding. The children are with their grandparents for a night. Okay. So Jimmy and Lily are at the brother's wedding, his brother John. um, And they're enjoying their evening until some type of disagreement breaks out at this wedding. And almost... All of the 300 guests that are there start fighting. Oh. All of them? (laughs) Almost, yeah. Now, when they say almost, I assume it's just like children and old people aren't taking place in the brawl. But it sounds like the majority of the 300 have some place in this altercation. Whether it's all the women are hooting and hollering and yelling and defending... And the men are getting physical with one another. But, yeah, the majority of guests were, like, in their, like, swimwear. And there's no real reason why. I tried to dig into what caused the fight to see if it becomes a bigger issue to the rest of the events of this evening. Um, But it really doesn't seem like there's any association. This just seems like possibly maybe, like, because he was what? Taiwanese and I think the woman he was marrying was Vietnamese. Like, I don't know if there was a cultural difference or if someone said something to someone or... I don't know. There was what? just... I don't know. A lot going on. But it's like a huge fight that's unrelated. Okay. Yeah, from everything I could find, nobody believes they're related. Hmm. <laughs> but I still think it's really weird. And there's not much information out about this case, but everywhere I look, they make a point of mentioning the 300-person brawl. So, I mean, I think it's warranted. (laughs) I would say so. Due to his long hours, Jimmy is, like, physically getting groggy at this wedding. It's, like, 10 p.m. He's, like, struggling to stay awake. So, Lily is like, let's go home. You're just, like, you're fried. This isn't worth it. We still had an evening out, I guess. 
I mean, 10.30 is a good evening when you have kids, I, I think. I was going to say, I mean... I don't have kids and that's a good evening for me, actually. Uh, yeah. I'm not staying out much later than 10.30 these days no. and I don't have kids, so good evening for me. Night-night. Yeah, I think... It depends on, like, your relationship to whoever the bride and groom are as well. <laughs> like, if you're just just That's a wedding it. guest. I mean, I don't know. No, not necessarily. Like, but for me, if I'm, like, in your wedding or I'm really close to you and all of my friends are staying really late Fair. and I'm not, like, falling asleep at the table, I'm like probably staying at your wedding. if you bailed on my wedding. wedding early, I'd be annoyed. Right, like I'm probably staying okay. at your wedding a lot later no matter what than somebody who I just like got invited to as a guest. Could you imagine I'm if I had f- like an earlier in the day breakfast and like a big brunch and then everyone just yes. went home, there was just no party? <laughs> yes, I can imagine that. Sounds like my dream. And then the next night there's like a big optional party in the evening that you can go to? No, I'll be sleeping. I gotta sleep off those pancakes I had at brunch. I gotta sleep them off one party per day. You get a morning party or an evening party. You don't get both anymore from me. <laughs> I had a two-day wedding. That's exhausting, but, like, yeah. I get it. Especially yeah. in those kind of cultures, though. They like she, Well, she has, like, culturally... She, there's two different celebrations that they had to celebrate yeah. two different cultures. So... Yeah. I, I do I feel like some it. cultures do weddings really big and elaborate like that, though. Like, Oh, yeah, and her wedding photos are so beautiful. You know, multiple days long. Or even if you're going to, like, a destination wedding. Like, my brother's wedding, for yeah. example, was essentially a three-day event because we, you know, went there. There's a, a welcome dinner. Then there's the wedding. There's the exit brunch. Like, if it's not somewhere local where you're just going for the night and you can go home, it's, you know... Going to a wedding it's an is, ordeal. Yeah. It's an ordeal, but it's a fun one. So keep getting married, Agreed. everyone, and, invi- and invite us. Agreed. But don't have a 300 person brawl because that sounds awesome. <laughs> right? A Vietnamese Taiwanese 300 person wedding brawl. Yeah. It's just a lot. It is. So the Mings lived at 727 Princess Avenue in Vancouver, and it was, like, right on the border of Chinatown. Okay. So Chinatown is centered around Pender Street, surrounded by Gastown to the north, downtown, financial, and central business districts to the west, and then the viaduct and all that um, are off to the south, and then... The remnants, apparently, of old Japantown are to the northeast... Um, in like the Strathcona neighborhood and that's kind of where they lived was like on that town border in there is where their home was located. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, Around 12 a.m. there was a loud noise um, and it's found later that it was the basement window being broken into in the Ming's home. So this is the night of their wedding? It's not of their wedding, but it was the night they were attending the wedding, yes. The wedding they went to Um, that they went home at 10.30, okay. Yeah, so they left there about 10.30. Sounds like it wasn't far from home. Okay, got it. So somebody had broken in, had smashed the window, and they had kidnapped the Ming couple. Oh. Based on the scene and what... 
um, they were known to have been wearing at the wedding. It seems as though they were even kidnapped still in their clothes. So either they had gotten home exhausted and just laid in bed or had potentially just been getting ready for bed and still in their wedding attire. Just got home because the first thing I do when I get home from an event out out of the house is put my inside clothes on. Agreed. Inside the house clothes like immediately. You can see we were trained in public school. Do you have your inside shoes? Do you have your outside shoes? Yeah. (laughs) My grandma uh, also used to when she put her makeup on when I was a kid because I always spent like a couple weeks at least at my grandma's in the summer. Uh, she would like put me on the counter while she did her makeup and say she was putting on her outside face. So it's her, out- her outside face and her inside face. Yeah, my grandma would say her mask. She's got to put my mask on, be right out. Oh. Um, sorry, where are their children at this time? They were staying at the grandparents because they were supposed to be out right. late at this wedding. Right. Okay. So they were staying the night at the grandparents. It's like Jimmy's okay. dad that took makes sense. them. So it sounds like they were potentially, like, at the wedding earlier with the family. That's why earlier I said the family was there. But I didn't want to get it confused because when the grandparents go home, it sounds like they took the grandkids with them, leaving a bit early, which is, yeah, I was going to say, pretty common. Yeah. So January 20th in early afternoon, Jimmy's dad, Ping Chang Ming, he goes to their house to take Jason and Eliza back. When he walks in the home, he immediately sees a note on the staircase and reads through it quickly. And it's in poorly written Chinese. Um, People whose first language is Chinese say that this was poorly written in the sense that there's a lot of slang used. It might be someone who doesn't have Chinese as their first language or they could just be very uneducated okay okay so the ransom note that is found by ping is asking for seven hundred thousand dollars for the safe return of the main couple the ransom note reads you have a good family you have a good business we don't have anything we have a lot of brothers we are we are in the United States. You will not be the last. There will be other restaurants. Okay. I'm not sure how to take that and no one is to this day. Spoiler, it's unsolved. <laughs> Can you read that to me again? Yeah. You have a good family, you have a good business. We don't have anything. We have a lot of brothers. We aren't, or we are in the United States. You will not be the last. There will be other restaurants. So local authorities assume this is a group of less fortunate individuals or a young gang targeting successful restaurants for lump sums of money at this point. That makes the most sense. Yeah. It is important to note there are significantly high numbers of like Chinese, Taiwanese and Vietnamese youth gangs, like Asian gangs in the area at the time in the Mm eighties, there was even 
like this creates a task force even to focus on it because it was such an issue. There was also like a high number of Vietnamese immigrants coming to the country at the time um, to flee the Vietnam War. Again, I, I was trying to sound smart, but I don't know anything about the Vietnam War. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I well, appreciate I know that you a bit, love, but I'm not going to lie and say I do and start talking about it. Yeah, that's fair. But I appreciate that you still gave us the facts. I did. I did. Yeah. But yes, so many people were coming here undocumented and to find safety, a lot of young people were joining gangs. So there was just right. a high rise in gang activity as well as a lot of people were just needing money and resources to survive. So, in turn, that became youth gangs. Right. And a lot of people want to use younger people because they'll get, like, lighter sentences. Especially at the time, they were like, oh, you'll get nothing, so we'll just get a young person to do our dirty work. Yeah. Uh, In Taiwanese culture um, and Chinese culture, it is also common at the time to have a lack of trust in, like, banks or financial institutes of any kind. So them asking for this sum of money, although on paper it might not look like the family has it, knowing they have a successful restaurant, authorities assume that someone might think, if they know the culture, that they would have a lot of cash in the house. Right. Um, The family was also about to go on a vacation. So if someone knew them, maybe they were trying to rob them, knowing that they would have cash on them to go on their vacation. Um, I know it's a shocker, young people, but you used to not just be able to use your credit card on vacation. You actually had to save up and have money to spend in other countries. Like, shocker. Sorry. What? I mean, I still do that. I just put it on my credit card and pay it off. Right? But, like, do you remember when you used to have to, like, call your credit card company, like, well in advance and make sure you could even use your credit card in that country? Now you just have to call and maybe say I'm going out of country. Or they shoot you a text, if anything, if you make a big purchase somewhere and they're like, yes, that's me. If it's a big purchase or if it's, like, out of the ordinary, they will flag it and call you. But you don't even have to inform them anymore. Yeah, before, Mm -hmm. if you, like, used your credit card out of country and you didn't call the bank to tell them, they were putting a flag on that. And then trying to reach your bank from out of country. Yeah. But still, you should still pre-save money before you go on vacation and not just charge it to your credit card. Agreed. Follow me for more not financial tips. (laughs) Hey, better you than me. Anyway, though, the Ming family was kind of unassuming. Like, people around were wondering why them. They have, like, a very normal station wagon, a very modest house, their kids and themselves just dressed in normal clothing by standards at the time. Like, they weren't flashy. They didn't have a ton of name brands. But they did help a lot of, like, refugees at the time and they wondered if it was maybe an interaction with a refugee that had gone sour that could have happened um but that was kind of low on their list they were really leaning into this gang activity they think this was a good angle to go with so yeah in 1985 the gang unit is created um and then there's the kidnappers of the ming family essentially find out that 
Ming's father has gone to the police, even though in the ransom note it says not to. So immediately there's raise for concern. And on February 14th, because this um, criminal, we'll call them, because we don't know who they are at this point, or if it's a group of people, demand an apology from authorities, essentially for getting involved because they weren't supposed to. And they want Ping to also apologize for talking to the police. So they don't say they're going to hurt anybody. They're not going to do anything. Um, But every day for a week, local Chinese papers post an ad that says, Mr. Chin, last time I was wrong. Please forgive me. We will do accord to your wish. Your demand is too much, however. We hope you will reconsider. Because the family is struggling to get the $700,000 together. Right. And Mr. Chin is an alias that whoever this person or organization is has been asked to be called. Okay. On March 3rd, ads have been run by the family asking for more updates as this Mr. Chin has lacked in reaching out after this. The family is asking for any information or any leeway with the ransom as they are struggling to gain the funds. Again, they're not rich people, even if they do have money at home. They ask if they can talk to the main couple to find out for themselves that they're alive. But there is no return in information. Police say that in public press conferences, hoping that this Mr. Chin will hear that the Mings can't afford this amount of money it's unreasonable and that they should reconsider. The Mings are kind of of the impression, like, we know we can't afford it, but we don't care. We will find a way, like, we're getting our family back. Like, they don't even care. The amount could be two million and he'd be like, I'll find a way. Yeah, fair. So a $10,000 reward is offered by authorities. Um, It's also matched by the Chinese Benevolent Association of Canada. So there's a 20,000 reward for any information leading to uh, the capture of who has kidnapped the Ming couple um, or any information leading to the Mings being recovered safely or anything leading to essentially their remains at this point because they do fear that they could have been killed seeing as they know they went to the police. Yeah. I still can't believe they asked for an apology. Yeah, a public apology in the paper. How about a public apology for stealing my loved ones? Yeah. They don't care, whoever this is. It's awful. So Ping goes to his bank. He asks how much he can get for selling Yangtze Kitchen. But the bank essentially tells him, like, sir, you would have to give away every single possession to be able to get your family back. And even then, I don't know if you'd have $700,000. Right. Like, you don't have enough equity to do that, really. Mm. Selling your business wouldn't give you that much money. It's so sad. Yeah. Kidnappers also, throughout this, had mailed a few letters just when they were asking for these ads to be run, when the information had come out. A few were also post-stamped from Victoria. So there was question if the person had potentially taken them to the island, but that really led nowhere. 
One unusual circumstance to this ransom is there was never a location given to make the exchange with the money or the ransom. So they kept asking for more information about that, and they wouldn't give any more information, but they would just make more threats against the family. Yeah. These ransoms to me, and of course you're going to continue to do whatever you can to get your loved one back. I just feel like they're always bullshit. I agree too. I just feel like every single time they're always bullshit and no amount of money is going to bring that person back. But I would, if like, I mean, I have no idea what I would do if it was my loved one, but I don't think that I would give up or stop trying. I just feel like every single freaking case like this I hear the whole ransom thing is just not even Well, usually the person, like, freaks out after they've done it all and goes, oh, shit, I can't make, I can't let them know who I actually am and kill the person. Or they just freak out and are unstable and end up killing the person. Like, we rarely, you're right, hear of the ransom ever being a real thing. Or it was bullshit from the beginning and just some, like, fucked up ploy to like yeah. drag it out and fuck with people's minds like I just feel like there's not like I don't know make, correct me if I'm wrong but I've no, heard of I very agree. many times where somebody pays ransom yeah. in like a random case like this where you have no idea who it could be well that's the thing your... they have no idea and now this person is also starting to say if you want to see your son hurry up and get the money together If not, your sons are going to go, like, one by one. Because, remember, they have multiple sons. So this person's essentially saying they know who the entire family is and blah, blah, blah. And they'll start going after the other children. and That's terrifying. It's crazy. They have no idea who this is. Yeah, and, like, of course you're going to try and get the money. And, like, Mm -hmm. these people are saying that they'll give your loved one back. Well, yeah, and they don't know if this is, like, even though they may be youth, this could be an entire gang. Mm -hmm. Like, these gangs have been tormenting East Van at the time. Right. And many, as we said, undocumented Vietnamese immigrants were just, like, recruited to do dirty work because they were given, like, a place to belong. I was going to say, a lot of And that's all it was. It wasn't that any of these people wanted to get involved in this negative activity. It was that... They were called boat people because they were just walking off a boat and just finding a life somewhere. Well, and they're coming to a place they don't know. They don't know the language. They don't know the culture. And people who they can relate to, they don't know the laws. People who they can relate to on that level are offering them a place, like you said, to belong. Mm -hmm. Um so, yeah, of course, you're going to get drawn into that kind of activity. Mm-hmm. That's so sad. Uh, one example of how outrageous the gang activity became. In January of 1987 at the Golden Princess Theater, a 14-year-old from what's called the Lotus Gang was shot in what is now known as the Rio Theater. Okay. A 16-year-old gang member from an alternate gang walked in and shot Tony Hong while he was watching a movie in the theater with his friends. He shot him directly in the face. Again, 
this was because teens got light sentences so teens were recruited to do the physical violence of gangs and that meant a lot of teen on teen violence tony was shot at such an angle that he was shot like through his eye socket um so he actually lost or damaged the entire eye but he did survive thank goodness the member of the gang who you know forced this activity on him um, I believe he was 16 years old, and because he was 16, they decided to try him as an adult. He was essentially convicted, but they just deported him. Right. Which can sometimes be worse. Yeah. So he did serve some time for the sentence, um, and then when he would be set to be released, he was deported. So there was really not much information about his uh, life after that, because I think they just decided they were going to deport him, and that was enough. These gangs vandalized buildings, homes, inflicted physical violence on people with bars, baseball bats, knives, machetes, cleavers, guns, and really anything they could find, shovels. Um, it was the Viet Chang Gang, the Lotus Gang, and the Red Eagles. They were all notorious for drug smuggling, gambling, and extortion. Like, again, we have to remember a lot of these are kids that were just trying to get by. Oh, yeah. Right? 14 to, to 25. They're trying to eat. They're 14. trying to survive. Yeah. Oh, God. They had gangs based, again, locally here in Vancouver, but also Edmonton, Calgary, Toronto, San Francisco, and Hong Kong. As I mentioned, they were averaging 14 to 25 years old and typically could be found at pool halls, nightclubs, bars, restaurants. Anywhere where big groups of young men can hang out. So basically anywhere. Anywhere. Yeah. Anywhere. So following the main couple going missing, there's been very limited, you know, communication about the ransom. There's been no drop-off location. There's also been very little communication with who we know as Mr. Chin. Seven weeks go by, and along the Squamish Highway, which is now the Sea to Sky... The Ming's remains were found down a hill in some dense bushes near Lions Bay, about 40 kilometers from their home. Yeah. So there's a reason there was no further ransom information. It's because it was believed that both members of this family, both adults, were killed essentially right away after, their mur after being abducted. Coroner reports indicate that they died via strangulation. So along with the Ming couple, 10 other bodies had been found in this area around Horseshoe Bay to where they're located in Squamish. What? Yes. 10 other people? In the recent time frame, yes. Now, recent oh time frame is subjective because this was written in the 80s. And it, there was no exact time frame given. However, okay. it did make it sound like they were very closely clustered together. Which also, I think, helped lend to the gang theory. Because right. gangs frequently can be killing people quite frequently, unfortunately. Sure. But, like, Horseshoe Bay, like, we know exactly where that is. Yeah, that's... 
I mean, Horseshoe Bay to Sea to Sky is pretty far. It's not it necessarily close to. It's not what but I would call. Bodies well, in a short actually, time frame. that's it's not, not that true far. at all. No, no, no. It's not far at all. Horseshoe Bay to Sea to Sky. Like you basically pass by the Horseshoe Bay turnoff to go yeah. to the Sea to Sky Highway. So it's actually very close. I was thinking for some reason like right downtown. I don't know why I had that oh, in my God, head, no. but that's really far. No, but but no, actually, like Horseshoe the, Bay and that inlet. Yeah, and the Sea to Sky Highway is like actually very close to that. So that's actually quite a close. Okay. So tr- that's still ten bodies crazy. is like quite and a like, bit. That's a lot of people. Yeah. Again, this is unsolved. There's not much more to this, but still. A press conference is held and essentially like a united force is held like with police to essentially eliminate these three gangs. So like every fo- like unit or team within law enforcement is willing to put all their egos aside, work together to solve these crimes. And make sure that these three gangs are taken out. Many involved in the investigation, as well as others in the Asian studies and the professional industry through UBC, um, agree that this was highly likely to be a robbery gone wrong. They do believe that potentially it was someone who did know they were going on vacation and did know those things, but also knew they were going to a wedding that night and they were home earlier than expected or whatnot. And potentially murdered them immediately by strangling them. And then saw an opportunity to extort the family. To get money because the robbery went wrong. Yeah, like it was purely more an opportunity to try to get more money out of Ping. They thought he was worth a lot more because of his restaurant. Yeah. Uh, Unfortunately, that's just not the case. Sad, but it makes sense. Yeah. Jimmy and Lily were found, uh, and again, a little bit of a trigger warning here for anyone who doesn't want any gory details, plug yours for like 10 seconds. They were found dismembered with their body parts in bags. However, there was all the pieces there to be able to determine a cause of death. Hmm. Why they had to be dismembered, I have no idea. And left in bags. Like, that is so weird and awful. I agree. And there was no sign of any of that happening at their home. So, Hmm. um, I have a lot of questions still. Yeah. Police said in May of 1985 that they believed they were provided a name of a suspect and were building a case, but nothing further ever came of that. If you have any information about this case, um, you can reach the Vancouver Police at 604-717-3321 and you can just reference their names. Or if you have any information you want to stay anonymous, you can obviously go through Crime Stoppers via their website or 1-800-222-8477. Is there any information about if the other 10, is it 10 plus these two victims? I believe so, because it said when I was doing my research, it said there was an additional 10. 
That makes sense. So is there any information about if those were deemed to be foul play or if they were missing people or There was no connection made to them and no other information about the 10 found. Now it is, I did make note that I want to look into like just the history of like bays that get washed up bodies locally. So it. Sure. TBD. Um, Interesting and awful. And once I was right yeah. about the ransom note, it's always bullshit. I know. I was just really trying hard this time to not let into your theories because sometimes right out the gates I'll be like, yeah, I'll, it happens. So this time I just tried to ignore you. Yeah, but I stand by what I said that, like, I recognize that if you are that victim's family member or that's your loved one, like, you're still going to do everything that you can to try and save that person if you think there's even, like, any chance I just feel like being on this side of it, I'm like... As someone who's had a missing family member, now, they went missing and Ransom was no part of it. I just want to preface that. But they did just suddenly go missing and were met with foul play. Now, had the Ransom been an option, the family would have done anything. Exactly. 150%. So, I totally respect... It's like just another way to take advantage of victims. Like exactly what you said, extort the family, take advantage of people who've like you've put in this vulnerable situation. I just feel like it makes the crime like so much more awful. Agreed. Because you're like preying on people's emotions and. And to come to find out that like he didn't even keep, I say he, whoever they are didn't keep the family alive for even, like, a short period of time. So the ransom was really, like, always just bullshit. It was just a game. It was yeah. just a game to play on these, like, innocent victims, and it's Well, yeah, there was awful. no even drop-off location. No, it's terrible. What an awful case. Yeah. It's horrible. But... Thank you for sharing it, and hopefully somebody has information. I mean, old cases get solved every day, like, all the time. You know what I mean? Every day might be pushing it, but you know what I mean. They get solved all the time. We'll see, like, it's like case from the 60s. This murder from the 60s is solved. Like, we, there is always still hope, so... I also just feel like we're at the age right now, like you and I, where we have friends that could have older siblings who were like at an age where they vividly remember stuff in the 80s. Yeah. So they might know that we know that I don't. But well, okay, you don't because you don't know anyone or anything beyond 1990. Thank God I was 26 days into the year then. Anyone might be pushing it. I said anything. But yeah, no, I, uh, I agree. But yeah, I mean, if you know anything, definitely reach out to authorities. It's still a very active investigation. Awesome. Well, thank you for being here. Thank you for being patient with us the last couple of weeks as we've been kind of just like winding down summer. Navigating life and getting back into the swing of life. And uh, summer is always a wild ride for us. So that just is what it is. But if you would like to follow us on social media, you can do so at Podcast by Proxy on Instagram, Twitter. No, not Twitter. Instagram, TikTok, 
Threads, Facebook. I don't think we use Twitter anymore. Although I saw people are going back to Twitter, so I don't really know what's going on there. I'll be honest. When I was traveling, I did use Twitter for, like, flight delays and ferry delays. I, I did use it for that. I'm always... I love Instagram, but I'm just, like, not up to date on what's going on with, like, any of the other platforms. Uh, Be Real was a thing for a while. Is that still a thing? Are people still doing that? I don't, I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. Anyways. Words are happening, but I don't know what you're saying. Anywho. Uh, if you are not already, be sure to hit the follow button wherever you're listening and leave a five-star rating and review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, and we yeah. will see you next week. Bye. Bye. I'll call you soon. Okay. Okay. Bye. 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 How do I stop this shit? I'll stop it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fuck me.